At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to our newest season of Humane Podcast in 2021. Humane is your first look at the startups and industry titans that are leading and disrupting ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education. I am your host, David Jakobovich, and this is Humane. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, listeners, to Humane, your first look at technology that is expanding how humans augment with machines, developer tools, and the world of data science. Today on the show, I have Ido Liberty, who's the founder and CEO of Pinecone. Ido comes from a tremendous background of working in technology at big tech and startups alike, and is releasing his newest version of the Pinecone technology. Ido, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Well, Ido, just to start us off, can you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you've built in technology throughout your career that led you to be a founder for Pinecone? Sure. So I I spent uh, most of my career being an academic. I did my PhD and postdoc in computer science and uh, applied math, working on high-dimensional geometry and and functional analysis, which at the time I didn't know it, but were kind of the mathematical foundations for uh, for machine learning, really, and deep learning. In some sense, all deep learning models are uh, high-dimensional functions. And so if you learn, you know, functional analysis, you end up being... uh, really well equipped to deal with machine learning theory, which was very uh, uh, happy uh, happenstance for me because uh, that ended up uh, taking off like a rocket, like everybody else knows. During my postdoc, I started building my first startup, which uh, we later sold to Visio. That was a real-time video search solution that uh, relied a lot on, on vector search and vector similarity search, which we'll talk about a lot in this podcast. Yeah, and then I joined uh, Yahoo to be a to be a research director and and uh, lead efforts in research there on anything that has to do with big data, from ads to spam detection to you name it, recommendation engines and search. And then uh, I moved to AWS and I, I built an I helped build an organization called Amazon AI that uh, built a lot of different applications and and platforms for machine learning, including SageMaker and all the AI solutions that you see. Uh, on your AWS console that came out of that organization. That's it. And two and a half years ago, I, I uh, yeah, I started Pinecone with the mission of creating the next generation data platform for uh, Vector. It, it is a Vector database, but to enable search and similarity and recommendation at scale for everyone. I think it's so exciting that you spent a good portion of your career building at preeminent big tech companies. You know, I remember at the time that you were at Yahoo, uh, they were leading some of the largest research projects. You know, we think today of 
researchers at all the top uh, ML, data science, NLP, AI conferences that we see Microsoft, uh, AWS, GCP, Baidu, and others. And often we forget that Yahoo was leaving that. They were a core part of the industry, had a tremendous amount of engineers all over the world working on that. And it's amazing to see that you were you were there building this at the big data wave, which of course evolved into the new data science ML driven wave that we've seen in the last few years with all that growth, with the cloud and all these products. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of interesting things over the years that informed your decision to become a founder again. Yeah, 100%. So you're right. People don't remember that kind of going back in the in time, Yahoo Labs was an organization that was started by Prabhagar Agavan, who's who literally wrote the book on randomized algorithms. He's a Stanford professor who became, uh, he's now, I think, one of the, you know, top 10 people at, at Google. I don't know if he's top three or top 10, I, you know. But uh, he built together with Ron Brockman, Yoel Marek and others, really one of the best research organizations in the world back then. And uh, I remember kind of the, the, to get in, you basically had to qualify to be an, you know, a professor. If you couldn't get into like a top tier university, you couldn't become a scientist at Yahoo back then. And a lot of the way that people think about machine learning was invented there. And so you're right. If you dig uh, research papers on machine learning and data science going back, you know, five, six, seven years ago, they'll, you know, half of them would have Yahoo authors on them. So yes, there was a lot of really exciting things happening there. And then after that, um, as you mentioned, either you spent a few years at AWS and got to see a lot of those core products, both from a research perspective and then a practical AI perspective, got to get built out on the cloud. I remember for myself, uh, having worked with enterprise customers at my previous companies, we were building and helping consulting on data science and ML projects. And I remember when AWS was just coming out with SageMaker and we we're like, ah, it's experimental. And then suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly today in 2021, I mean, SageMaker is great, right? Like there's really great products there. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience, you know, being on both the research and practical side when you were at AWS as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny, like how being a scientist and building applications and building platforms are, are so different. It's kind of like, you know, for me, you know, it's uh, just by analogy. I mean, kind of a scientist, if, if you're looking at some achieve, like technical achievement is, is being atop of a mountain, then a scientist is trying to like hike there. They're trying to be the first person to the summit, right? When you build an application, you kind of have to build a road there. You have to be able to drive there with a car. And when you're building a platform on AWS or at Pinecone, you have to like build a city there. <laughs> you know, you have to really like, you know, completely like cover it. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the experience of building platforms at AWS was transformational because the, the, the way you think about problems is completely different. It's not about proving that something is possible. It's building the mechanisms that make it, possible always for in any circumstance. And that's very, very different. It's interesting that, you know, doing all the research that you discovered at Yahoo and AWS informed building Pinecone and what it is today and what it's evolving into. And, you know, having looked through your mission statement and seeing Pinecone as a fully managed vector database, 
I think it's so smart and clever because I think back to a lot of these competitions we see today for students who are solving an ML or you know at these conferences and they're constantly tuning. I want to get that extra 1% improvement using a certain algorithm. But when you really think about it, it all comes back to the data and how you structure or unstructure that data having a little bit more or having it better organized to search, that can make all the difference. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, tuning models and getting your, uh, you know, your accuracies, uh, you know, a quarter of a percent higher or something. Uh, that's that's great. I mean, that's it needs to be done. And uh, there are great tools for it. But like you said, in the end, it's a lot of it is about the data. In my experience, it's it's mostly about the data. And when I need to be able to know if, you know, something is spam or not, if I'm like a spam, you know, classification server, I can run an email or an image that I got through a classifier and try to get an answer. But hey, you know what? I think it would be a lot better for me if what I could do is just ask a database, you know, give me the, the you know, 20 other emails or other images that are the most like it, you know. And were they spam? You know, were, <laughs> what were they, right? Uh, and so that doesn't look like a model. That is a retrieval engine. That's a search engine. And that's really like a vector database. That's what Pinecone is. So you can, a lot of applications that require and work with these vector embeddings and features need this, this mechanism. And that cuts across not only similarity search for something like spam classification, but also to recommendation and semantic search over text and so on. And the interesting thing is that a lot of these models that people train, what they do is actually convert data, complex data, whether it be text or images or anything else really, to these high-dimensional vectors. And once you have them in that form, uh, usually called embeddings, you can then feed them into Pineco and then you can start really acting on them and, and interacting with them in real time, which makes a whole set of machine learning applications so much more powerful and so much more capable. When you think of the layperson, right, they see an image, spam or ham or spam, not spam, right, yeah. or dog or cat. And you think it's magic, but there is underlying mathematics that's occurring to perform these calculations. And today we're moving beyond recommendations. As you've described in your research, we're moving beyond the leaps in recommendation work from companies like AWS, Yahoo, Google, Spotify, Facebook, and Pinterest. Now this change is moving to the use of vectors and vector similarity search. Can you unpack for the audience why you think we're at this inflection point now today? So I think that the inflection point is not in the change of the technology, but rather in the change of depth and investments that companies are making into building those solutions. Mm -hmm. So let me explain. The companies that you named already use vector search, already use vector similarity, already built in-house solutions to be able to do the kind of recommendation that you experience as a user, right? And they do a, a very good job at it. What they have under the hood is a technology that most companies don't have. That's what Pinecone is. And so up until very recently, those companies had two options. Either they had to invest like and go all in and have a dedicated engineering team to just build the infrastructure to be able to do advanced recommendation, or they would go and buy some off-the-shelf, you know, retail recommendation product, right? 
that does everything for them. So they really don't have to deal with any of this. And today, I see this very, very strong motion by a lot of technology-savvy companies, whether they be retailers or or text-based search solutions or analytics and so on, to really want to build these things in-house. You know, to say, hey, you know, we hired a handful of scientists. We know how to train models already. We have great tools for it. Can we do more than just buy some off-the-shelf thing? And the answer is almost always yes. Right? And it doesn't even take a whole lot of energy to do that. And with something like Pinecone as a backend, it doesn't even take a lot of energy to go to production. And so they find that those like black box solutions, if, if they want to create like a Pinterest-like experience, they don't have to build Pinterest from scratch. They can you know, train a few models and use Pinecone and go to production in you know, a few weeks and not in a few years. And building any of those networks and any of those systems, there's a lot of data, right? We've seen the rise of data augmentation, data labeling, data generation, synthetic data design. There's data everywhere. And a lot of it's not standardized. It sounds to me that vectors are opening up this new way to retrieve that data. This is known as similarity. Can you talk to us more about what are some of the similarities you've seen or the use cases with uh, Pinecone? So yeah, I'll I'll use an example. So for example, a very common technique to do what's called question answering is to the following. If I'm going to get a question on my website, say, or by a user of my app, and I want to give them the most appropriate answer. Conceptually easy thing to do is to say, I'll just use my like FAQs. I'll look for the most similar questions I've gotten. And if I have a similar, very similar answer, question, I'll give it, you know, this question, the other question's answer. That ends up being pretty efficient, right? But how do you search for other questions that mean the same thing? Do they contain the same words? Maybe, maybe not, you know? And, uh, and then you go into this, like, very complicated discussion of, like, how do I parse the language and how do I measure similarity and so on? And today with machine learning, you don't really have to do any of that. You have... Uh, pre-trained uh, NLP models that convert a string, uh, like, a, like a sentence in English, to an embedding, to a high-dimensional vector, such that the similarity or either the distance or the, the angle between them is analogous to the similarity between them in terms of like conceptual similarity, semantic similarity between them. And so I can convert my text into a high-dimensional vector and I can search my database not for similar sentences in English, but rather to vectors which are, you know, highly correlated with the vector that was generated for the query. And that ends up being A, a lot easier, B, a lot more accurate, because now you don't do text search. You don't try to fit on this word or that. And you don't have to create like super elaborate, elastic, you know, search queries. You just use machine learning for it. So that is, you know, maybe an example of how how you translate from the real world to, to a similarity. And similarity in that space is measured either by angle or by distance or by you know, the dot product, which is the sum of uh, multiplications of the d- different coordinates. But in the end, uh, you know, those are just mathematical constructs that are simulating what you really want to happen in real life. That's the beauty of uh, machine learning, right? Oh, I remember those days in the math classes in high school and college, right? We were looking at cosine similarity and <laughs> geometry and trigonometry, right? Yeah. It, it's it's all vectors. Yeah. 
that is what the machine learning does. That's why, that's the beauty of it. I mean, you can train models that map, you know, sentences that mean roughly the same thing to be highly correlated with each other in the vector representation. And if you train that model well and you are successful, then now you have a vector representation that's very useful because now two things, two vectors that are aligned correspond to two sentences that mean roughly the same thing. And so now you can search with that. And so doing the search here is helping with recommendations. It's helping with lookalike audiences. It's helping with getting deeper for businesses to create results that previously would be very challenging to build. As, as you described, you know, companies would have to hire full teams. I know today at a single store, I had spoken to one of our leaders who previously worked at an enterprise analytics company. And we were talking about how they were building a use case for search around the specific finance industry. And at one point, they had a team of 30 engineers. All they were doing was, I kid you not, the, the labeling, the design, the understanding, the modeling, the algorithms, just to get one use case for one industry right. There, there was so much work, but it sounds like there are better solutions or newer solutions that are being repurposed, such as vector similarity search, that today mean you don't need a team of 30 algorithm developers in-house if you're looking to have some of these solutions. A hundred percent. And we see this across the industry as AI and machine learning is, is maturing. All the, you know, MLOps, uh, model training themselves, you know, the deep learning networks and all that stuff. They're all uh, great tools and great shortcuts. And Pinecone is, is one of those, you know. You know, it's, it's an arsenal of tools that make what used to be a 30-person multi-year project to be like a three-person quarterly project. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And talking about technologies, there's always more tools coming out. There's open source projects. There's functions like you described in MLOps and DevOps. And for all these new AI and ML platforms, where do you see Pinecone fitting in? You mentioned it's a database. You mentioned it's working with vector similarity search. How is it a, a good solution that companies should be considering today? Well, if they are experiencing the pain, if they see that they have search problems or recommendation problems that have large amounts of data, then uh, they will know. <laughs> it's very easy to know that you have a problem. You, you're in pain, right? And so, yes, if they're trying to search or recommend over a very large collection of objects and they're trying to use machine learning for it, either for semantic search or recommendation or shopping or any of those use cases, almost always Pinecone ends up being a lot easier, a lot faster, and a lot more production ready than what they would build in-house. A lot more functional. We've spent two and a half years now baking a lot of uh, really great features into Pinecone. And we're, we've just launched a version 2.0 that contains all sorts of filtering capabilities and cost reduction measures and and you name it, those, uh, you know, we've been hard at it for a long time. And I think we've managed to get to build something really compelling that, yeah, very few companies, uh, if any, could really pull off. 
it's very exciting because, you know, when I think when you think whether you're a startup or you're a Fortune 500 company, chances are you do not want to build a team of 30 algorithm developers, AI specialists, ML engineers, and data scientists, and data engineers all together. You know, you need millions of dollars, right? Build this whole team, develop your models, choose your models, choose your algorithms, build and maintain infrastructure. It's a lot of moving parts, and it's not practical always. We see more, even we work with like companies with many billions of dollars worth of market cap and huge companies. They could easily mobilize uh, 30 headcounts, but they just don't know that it's not their core value. And today with the hiring market being what it is, they're like, yeah, I mean, we can't even hire 30 engineers for this right now. (laughs) We'd rather mobilize the engineers we have on our core values and our core product and delegate everything that we don't have to build to somebody else who knows how to build it. And so you're right. I mean, uh, some of it is some companies can afford it, but amazingly, a lot of companies that can afford it choose not to because they have better ways to use their, their capital. And there's different ways to solve for these problems. Some of them are, of course, use Pinecone. But beyond that, you know, when we think about each one of these, right, choose or develop models, choose algorithms, build and maintain infrastructure, we could unpack all three of them. So this first one, choose or develop models. You know, what can a company do today if they want to choose or develop models? So, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a data scientist by, by training. And so for me, when companies just like pick up something random from the web and hope for it to perform, I, I get the heebie-jeebies. That code in that Medium article better work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I found some notebook by some guy somewhere. And for some reason, I have high hopes for it. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's good for a prototype. It's good for getting, you know, up to speed on your, you know, how do I do this in-house? But one thing that I, I tell to my customers oftentimes, you know, is like, why not use some, you know, open source or some pre-baked thing? I'm like, because your data is yours and you know your customers and you, you know your application and your business logic a thousand times better than anybody else. And there's absolutely no reason for you to believe that they will do a better job than, than you could. And so I'm a great believer in knowing your own data and knowing your own customers and training your own models. It doesn't mean that you have to train them from scratch. It doesn't mean you don't have to use the right tools for it. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. But I'm not a big believer in completely pre-trained, you know, plucked off of a random place in the internet models. I do want to say that there are great models for just feature engineering for uh, objects that don't, cha- don't change so much. So we have language models like BERT and so on that transform text and create great embeddings. And they're a good starting point. I don't think you should stop there, but they're a great starting point. You should take advantage of that. Same thing for image and audio and so on. So yes, by all means, use the right tools and use what's available, but don't buy into the hype. You're still going to have to think about it and train some stuff, in my opinion. Absolutely. You can you can even go to the papers with code. You can go to the GitHub. You can grab that code. But definitely check also when it was last updated. Last updated five years ago. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful, yes. Be careful always. Okay, so that was that was number one to solve for, right? Choosing or developing models. The second one that you mentioned about challenges is about choosing algorithms, right? There's dozens of options. They all have different parameters and hyperparameters and 
different data sets and use case. Like you said, you know, you know, in your company, you know the business logic best, especially if you've worked in that industry for 10, 20, 30 years. So if you're trying to solve for choosing algorithms, what should we look into? Should it be experimentation, benchmarking? What do you find important there? So what do you mean by choosing algorithms? Choosing the, like whether you're choosing the random forest or uh, deep learning or stuff like that? Or what oh, yeah, the, algorithms? yeah, the big thing that a business stakeholder will tell a data scientist, you know, why why did you choose random forest? Why didn't we go with gradient boost? Why didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always love those discussions. Look, I mean, in the end, uh, you know, as a developer uh, or as a uh, business driver, you, you have to really care about the results. And so I don't, uh, you know, I really think you should experiment with, whatever you, you can. I do want to say that uh, you should keep it simple. You know, um, machine learning has come a long way and some fairly simple things work pretty well. And so, yes, you can look at the latest and greatest, you know, whatever transfer reinforcement learning library from Alpha Centauri, but, you know, odds are that a, <laughs> that a decision tree would do great or some linear classifier would probably get you most of the way there. And so if I had to say one thing is experiment with what you can, choose the best thing, but make sure that you have some pretty basic solutions in there and you nine out of 10 times you'll be surprised at how well they do. That's great to think really about that number two, the choosing algorithms that you're right, you know, you could have your Swiss army knife of algorithms and you'll get pretty far. But even if you, choose or develop the models, you choose the algorithms. Number three is the sticky one that a lot of companies struggle with, and I think we saw it in the pandemic, which is building and maintaining infrastructure. I mean, having a a DevOps, a cloud ops, a cloud infrastructure team, there's so much going on today from distributed computing, high availability of resources, consistency, systems going down. Uh, we were talking about uh, earlier before the show about a major uh, service that went down that you know impacts the web. We almost hear about these stories every few months. Be surprised how one service can take so much down. So there's, there's a lot to solve for on building and maintaining infrastructure. What's your take on that area? Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, the the reason for something like Pinecone to exist. You know, this is, it's hard. You know, it's really hard to maintain infrastructure. It's hard to optimize how it works. It's hard to keep it up. And it's never-ending work. You know, it's not something that you build and, and it's done. It's, you know, a, a live service needs updates. And updates, it needs, uh, you know, maintenance. And uh, stuff happens, you know. And so... I encourage companies that find good infrastructure to use, definitely to use it. <laughs> Building in-house uh, should be, you know, taken very, very, very seriously. I mean, I would argue against really building anything that's outside of your core value proposition. If this is not who you are as a company, then don't invest in it because you'll find yourself, you know, three years later and like 20 headcounts in. It's like, wh- why are we doing all of this? <laughs> And we have, you know, I speak with customers who are in that spot who said, hey, I I invested a ton of energy into this thing. And it kind of roughly works, but I just don't want to maintain it anymore. I don't want to keep building it. And I have a feature list, you know, from here to like, uh, you know, I have a feature request for that will keep me busy for five years. And I I just don't want to do that. And so 
you definitely should look at the right infrastructure for whatever it is you're trying to do. That's right. It's always evolving, but it comes down to the old adage, do I really want to fork this branch and maintain <laughs> my own version, right? Yeah, it's hard. And I think, you know, if, if uh, operations is something that kind of people know that it's hard, but they don't know how hard it is until they try it. It's kind of like parenting. You know, you you hear it's hard, but then you have a child and you're like, oh, shit, this is way harder than people told me. So, yes, I think it's it's one of those things. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so thinking through all of this, this is a lot of the reasons why you built and have scaled Pinecone. You've come out with version 2.0. Can you share more? Uh, tell us about the updated product, the new features. Why are you excited for the new version? So, yeah, I mean, we've been uh, very busy uh, improving Pinecone significantly. It's improved in a thousand different ways, from a new console to uh, clientless operations and Go and Rust and, and you know, curl APIs and so on. But the two biggest things that I'm most excited about, A, is filtering. So now it's not enough to find similarity. But if you're a retailer, you have to find similarity between, you know, you want to recommend items, but it's really important for you that you recommend them only if they're in stock or if the price is above or below some threshold. If you're doing similarity search, you want to make sure that you're searching the right corpus of data or maybe just a category or so on. So being able to do both, to kind of fuse together traditional NoSQL type of behavior and search capabilities and similarity search and vector search into the same index is something that took us a lot, very long time to get right. Uh, and we're very excited to be able to launch it now and it's already available. The second thing is, cost you know people told us hey you know this is really 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 performant but hey we, we don't really need this to come back in 20 milliseconds we're happy for this to be like whatever like three four hundred milliseconds or even a second i don't really care if the search is that long i just want it to be a lot cheaper and so we actually spent a very significant amount of energy building a hybrid index that is mostly on disk that cuts cost by 10x and so now we are, uh, we're actually coming out with a new pricing model. People if you don't see it right now, but by the time this airs, then it will already be public. Our costs are going to be 10 times lower than what they used to be. And so you, you will be able to achieve 10x as much for the same amount of money with Pinecone they used to up until today, which is very exciting to us, obviously exciting for our customers. Yeah, minimizing the total cost of ownership is critical. And I can echo your statements for hybrid systems. You know, where I'm at at single store, we also work hybrid and it's so important. We've heard that from customers over the years. Uh, you know, if you do everything in memory, right, it's the, the cost gets up pretty quickly. And um, if you can build that architecture, which is phenomenal to hear that your team's built that on disk. I mean, that is incredible. There are so few systems out there today that are hybrid. So hats off yeah. to you and the engineering team to, to get that functional. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thinking um, more also about the company, love to hear. Um, tell us about Pinecone. Where are you based? Uh, are you in the States? Are you a global company? We are an American company. We're based mostly out of uh, the Bay Area and uh, New York. We do have also a Tel Aviv office. And uh, yeah, that's where we are. We're, we're tri-costal in that way. Startup Nation, Startup Alley, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yes, that's great. Exactly. That's great. It's all, all, all the three places that I call home. 
I love them. And, um, you know, thinking moving forward, you know, what do you see a little bit trends or predictions either for the continued uh, product evolution of Pinecone in the next maybe few quarters, if you could tease out for the audience or a little bit more on the industry around uh, vector similarity search? So I think you'll see two things. First of all, with Pinecone specifically, we're focused on really only two things, making it easier to use and, and get value out of Pinecone and making it cheaper. That's it. I mean, that those are the, the only two things we care about. Like if it's, if you can get a ton of value out of it and it doesn't cost you too much, that's it. You're a happy customer and we're happy, we're happy to get you there. So that is pretty much sums up all of our uh, focus. In terms of the industry, I think you'll see a lot more happening on vector representation of data, on people working with unstructured data and transacting with it. You know, people have, have had unstructured data for forever, like images and text and so on. They're mostly just kept in files and stored. They're not really searched through or transacted against, or, you know, there's no SQL over images, right? Well, now you, you do have it, you know, it's called, you know, it's, it's spoken in the language of, of vectors. And so you will see a rise in awareness, in tools around it, in ways to convert data into that format, and in, uh, you know, the vector database becoming de facto a standard piece of infrastructure that every company has, whether it's at the core of what they do and it, uh, they are a search engine and that's how they work, or maybe they're a shop, you know, the retail site, and that's just how their recommendation carousel works, whether it's, you know, in their spam classification or in their text semantic search. It'll be somewhere for almost every company very soon. Ido Liberty, the founder and CEO of Pinecorn. Thanks so much for joining us today on Humane. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Humane Podcast. Did the episode measure up to your thoughts on ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education? Share your thoughts with me at humanepodcast.com forward slash contact. Remember to share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a review, and listen for more episodes of Humane. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.